0: people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently they tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you another story begins now kim thank you so much for being with me on today's podcast
1: you're very welcome helen it's great to be here Well, one of the reasons why I asked you to do this is because your
0: choices are very self-unlimited like choices, and I'm fascinated how they came about and how it is that you've managed to shape your workscape in conjunction with your employer, because many people would think the kind of behaviors of self-unlimited surely must come with being somebody who's in business for themselves, and you're not. So maybe that's a great place to start. If you could describe for us a little bit about what is your employment status?
1: So I'm a principal consultant with Elaborate which is a consulting company with offices in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane and 100 and something people. So we're small to medium enterprise but we're not tiny and um, I would have to say that where you work is really important Mm -hmm. but it doesn't stop you from doing things if where you work isn't conducive. So where I am now is quite an ideal space, but it hasn't always been the case. So tell me a little bit more
0: about what makes this one ideal and then in contrast to what has maybe made other places not so ideal.
1: So this one's ideal because I'm supported uh, in doing things like speaking at international conferences and being part of the Kinevan and Agile and Lean communities, running meetups and things like that. And um, it's something that I'm actually expected to do as part of my role, um, which is why it's ideal for me. And I really enjoy the day-to-day work anyway. Uh, Principal consulting is a nice thing to be doing, coming and going, and having short, sharp engagements with lots of different clients is really, really interesting.
0: Have you ever considered going out and working for yourself?
1: I've thought about it. And the disadvantage of working by myself with this type of work that I do, is it's only me. Mm. So I can only do so much. Whereas working with a consulting company, I can still go in, do the things I like doing, and then I can provide a much fuller service for the clients because I've got the whole body of people and all of their skill sets in Elaborate to bring on board if that's what the client's needs are, if and when they're ready.
0: One of the things that fascinated about your setup with um, Elaborate for me was about the many conferences that you could go to because I think sometimes organisations would think, you know, maybe one or two conferences is what we want our staff to do and we want them to be conferences that are very much connected to what we're about and nothing beyond that. That seems not to be the case with what you've got in your arrangement.
1: Uh, Yeah, I've got, um, so everyone at Elaborate gets a training budget so mm-hmm. actually, I'm not not that special. Um, as a principal consultant, I get a little bit extra, and um, as me, <laughs> I, I get a little bit of extra leeway as well because um, of all the different things that I have done in the past and the different connections that I do have now.
0: And it seems that the Elaborate is actually valuing the fact that you've done those things and that you could be a representative for Elaborate when you're at these conferences. Would I be
1: right in saying that? That is correct, yes. Uh, in in all cases, even before I joined Elaborate, I was always representing the organisation that I was with, uh, and it's just nice to have a company that supports me doing that rather than me having to fund it all myself and take my own personal leave to be able to do all of it. So, yeah, it's, it's a much nicer way of doing things.
0: So when you say support, that's both in time off and covering of expenditure and things like that?
1: That's correct, yep. So it's well, very,
0: very yeah. lucky. Did you know that they would do that sort of thing when you came to work for them or when you were even considering coming to work for them?
1: Um, that was part of the discussion when, when I uh, looked at joining Elaborate. So uh, because they could see what I was doing at my previous employer, uh, I said, well, I want to continue doing these things and it fits more nicely with being part of a consultancy than being part of a large corporate. So um, I expect to be supported in doing those things and they to the party, which was really good.
0: I think there's something um, that you probably take for granted there when that you said, I expect that um, I could be supported and that they came to the party, because I think there'd be many people who are listening like, wow, I would never expect something like that, or who knows whether the organisation would come to the party. So I'm wondering, is there something that um, secret source, or something that happened in that conversation?
1: Uh, well, I did get to know them over a couple of years before I joined them. So right. Uh, That that certainly helped the conversation. So I got to know where their space was. They got to know what my skill set was because they were supporting the meetups that I was doing and we were doing activities together as part of those meetup activities.
0: Which I think speaks very strongly to one of the self-unlimited ideas about the relationships that you hold and the reputation that you might cultivate because often I think many people think I will just build the connections and tell the stories about myself at the point of maybe going for a job not uh, thinking a bit more strategically of who knows who I might be talking to whether they're a future employer or not and that would seem to be something that's the way you think about the world. Would
1: that be fair? I would say that's how I think now. I didn't always think that way. And I must say, I've got a very, very supportive husband who almost pushed me out the door the first time I went to a self-funded conference event. Uh, It was um, probably 2012, I think. And Dave Snowden was running an event called Calm Alpha in Wales in the UK. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I had travelled so little since I was a teenager that I didn't even have a passport. So I decided that I wanted to go, and I contacted Dave because I had no idea who else was going and whether I'd add any value or not, and I said, you know, I'd like to come along. Can I add any value? He said, well, I'm fairly sure you can, and even if you can't, you'll get value from it. And um, so I did that. I got my passport and got the plane fare and signed up, and off I went, and it turns out there were 40 something other people there who are all luminaries in the lean and agile community and that was a big step forward for me in making connections across across the planet.
0: So uh, do you remember what you were feeling at that time? Because I think that is a brave step to take and then be many people think, oh no, no there must have been something special in Kim's circumstances that I couldn't do what she did. Is there any sort of advice that you might give to people about being at that moment and accepting the push?
1: Um yeah, was, I was very worried about going, um, and it was my husband who pointed out that it was an opportunity that not many people get, um, mm. and that I should go and do it, so had he not done that, there's probably 50% chance I wouldn't have gone.
0: One so. of the things I think it's great that to have somebody in your life who can point out those opportunities. Have there been other people in your life that you know at different times who have been the particular voice of encouragement or inspiration to take such steps?
1: yeah, most of the people in the Lean and Agile communities, when you go to conferences and you're having conversations with them, they're like, oh, how are you going? What are you doing? And bouncing around ideas about going out by myself consulting or because a lot of them are individual consultants. So it's a great way to talk to them about what is it like. And that's another reason I understand um, when I was back in the large corporate I used to be quite idealistic about individual consulting and I probably wouldn't have realised had I not had some of those conversations the the big difference between working in a consulting firm and working for yourself and not being able to bring those other skill sets in when there's clearly a need for it and I wouldn't be able to service all of that.
0: Which suggests to me something about you being open and curious to understand those different points of view that at a point when you were considering consulting it actually informed some of your choices. Yes,
1: yes, it did. Um, Yeah, so I had a conversation with one of the people in the Agile community and I said, oh, I'm thinking of doing my own consulting. He said, oh, don't do that. Don't do that, Kim. (laughs) And we had that conversation about some of the caveats, some of the pitfalls, which was Mm. really useful. Yeah.
0: Indeed, because I think sometimes people, when they're frustrated with work, think, oh, I am going to work good for myself, that will give me autonomy and control. And it sounds like, from what the situation you have at Elaborate, you have quite a bit of autonomy and control, but you've not had to achieve that in terms of going out and working for yourself.
1: I'd actually say I achieved autonomy and control quite a bit back in the large corporate. And there was a defining moment. I had a director that I was working for. She was awesome. And, um, and she would let me do the internal consulting within that large corporate, which mm-hmm. is what I enjoyed doing and what I was good at. And I remember sitting in our one-on-one conversation one day and I said, oh, you know, I'm just doing whatever I feel like. And she said, yep, you know what's right. And ever since she said that, I've basically not really listened to a manager unless I wanted to do what they said. (laughs) So so I took that as permission, even in a large corporate, to do whatever I wanted. And uh, had she not said that, I wouldn't have done that. I'm curious,
0: wondering, given the large corporate, how does that fit then with performance plans and KPIs
1: and things like that? You know, you can have quite a bit of negotiation if you've got the right manager – So, again, it's finding the right organisation or finding the right manager. So a large corporate actually has usually a lot of scope to do that and, and you can usually move to a better manager if you need to.
0: I think there's something about you having uh, an attendance to who might be a better manager and looking for those opportunities to go somewhere. There are many people who can't. Is there anything that you might say to them that would give them the inspiration or the courage
1: to make those kinds of steps? Uh, take every opportunity that comes up. Uh, even when I first started at the large corp, what I was doing at Bantali telemarketing. And um, one day, they wanted someone to take minutes in a project team. So it was a little project to do some stuff. I forget what it was for. And I went along to the project meeting and someone said, oh, who's going to take the minutes? And no one put their hand up. So I said, oh, I'll do it. So I took the minutes and lo and behold, they had to be reviewed by the centre manager. So I got to know the centre manager, the call centre manager. And then when an opportunity came up to do a piece of work within the marketing department, my name and another person's name was put up because she knew me. So, you know, putting your hand up for the boring jobs actually gets you opportunities for the good jobs later on.
0: Well, and I love that story because I think many people, when they hear or take opportunities, think it must be some opportunity like you get to go overseas on a conference, given presentation, not somebody just needs minutes taken at a meeting. They would overlook that and think, oh, there's no opportunity in that. And I think what your story tells us is you don't know what opportunity there is because doing something like that may bring you to the attention to somebody else. And I'm, I'm given my sense of what I know about you. You would have done a good job in what you did. And even that, then people can see in doing those small things that people can do a good job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you're yeah, taking the, the jobs that are I- other people don't want to do in particular, (laughs) always is a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to think about
0: it. I'm curious, do you, does it flip then for you, given that that's the journey that you've had, that you look around at others and see the possibilities for opportunities that you could offer to them?
1: Yeah, there's quite a few people and I'm like, oh, they should talk to this other person. And I'm amazed. Sometimes they'll do it, but sometimes they're just not ready. And they don't, they don't see that there's an opportunity in that conversation. They're like, oh, I don't think I can have that conversation. I don't think I should do that. So, well, I think you should. And they're like, no, no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> so um, it's always a bit frustrating when people do that because um, there's a lot of, you never know. It might be 10 conversations and only one goes somewhere. But if you don't do 10, you don't get the one.
0: Mm, and I think there's something really wonderful in that story, because you did say, by look, taking the opportunities that come, and I think for many people think, but there are no opportunities that come my way. What are you talking about, Kim? I would take them if they came my way, which I think is often about, and um, just as you expressed in that story, you're seeing opportunities they're not seeing. Is there any advice that you might give for people about how to start seeing opportunities that they might not be seeing?
1: Ooh, it's, hard, it's hard to see stuff that you don't see. Um, If you can be open to someone like a mentor, perhaps, Mm. uh, and have a conversation with them about what happened during your days and during the week. And then they might say, well, why did you do that way rather than this way? And they might be able to help you see that you're not seeing opportunities. So it generally takes another person, a relationship with another person to see those things if you're not used to looking for them.
0: I think that's a really powerful insight, because as you just said, you don't see what you don't see. So it's kind of like, well, how is that ever going to change? And so having some people around you that you might trust or that might have a different point of view, and just being open to what they might say, as as that's the route to which the opportunities might present themselves.
1: That's right. Yeah. So um, yeah, and things that don't look like opportunities often are. Yes, like I said before, the stuff that people don't want to do is often an opportunity.
0: So is there any tips that you could give people? I mean, you've given some great advice already. I'm wondering two or three tips for somebody who was thinking, maybe I should step up and negotiate for some things that I want that would maybe help me and help the organization. So any two or three tips that you could give people to get them on that path?
1: So if you're in a large corporate or you know in an an office job and you're thinking about doing something different and there doesn't seem to be an opportunity within that area, then think about doing something outside. So the big thing that helped me was the meetup.com and starting to run a meetup. But there's lots of opportunities to help organize meetups, to participate in that. Uh, And even if you just go along to some things like that, you get to meet interesting people and have conversations and that's where you get to see other opportunities. So I would say going along to things like meetups or volunteering is one good way to do stuff outside of the workplace. Um, Within the workplace, just make sure you haven't overlooked some opportunities. There might be some conversations that you can have with people um, that can help you see stuff that you can't see or Uh, depending again on your environment, you might not be able to have those conversations, um, but at least have a look around and make sure that you haven't overlooked an opportunity to do something a bit different.
0: Mm. And and maybe to add to that, to something you'd already said, if there's somebody that you feel who's maybe a trusted person, ask them, can they maybe point out some things that you are not seeing?
1: That's right, yeah. And um, yes, some people like mentors, mentors. some workplaces have mentoring within and sometimes it works really well. Um, but the other option is to look for an external mentor. Again, it might be by going to a meetup group or it might be by uh, reaching out to someone that you admire in the community. It's amazing. Some people you can go, you can actually contact, especially via Twitter and things like this these days. And they're happy to respond to you and happy, if they can't help you themselves, help help you find someone who can mentor you or advice.
0: do you have any tips about reaching out to those people so one of the things you mentioned before about reaching out to dave snowden and he's a pretty big name as you and i both know in this space and can even in and the world and, and something like that oh gosh i'd never reach out to a person like that and, and i don't know about you but i also get people who reach out to me with different things on um, linkedin and twitter but they're very quite reticent, and it's kind of like, why did you want to reach out to me? And I think if you had simply said that you were looking for some advice and help, I'd love to help you, but they don't do that. And I'm wondering if you've got any advice in particular where somebody's reached out to you and it's felt like um, a good connection.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I, th- I think it's important to say why you're reaching out. So it might be that, you know, I've noticed you're doing such and such, and um, I, I'm interested in um, learning more about hey how, how you did that or how you got there or who I could speak to about opportunities like that. Mm. I, th- I think some something couched like that works really well. It's when someone just says, "Oh hi, how are you going?" <laughs> and not much more than that or a, or a vanilla um, connection on LinkedIn that's pretty easy to ignore.
0: Mm. So be somebody who can stand out.
1: <laughs> that's it <laughs> and be clear in what you're asking for. <laughs>
0: So it seems that there has been much in your life and some pivotal moments where you've learned some things. Is there something, just as we close, that you might look back and think, that was a key moment where you learned something that you think changed the direction of your life? Might may have been a small thing, Might have been a big thing.
1: Uh, but very early on, I was uh, working at a video production company, and I was hired on as an operations assistant, but I'd been studying to become a video editor. And in those days, video editing was a big job, and it was on gear that cost a lot of money. And, um, and when I was interviewed for the role, I mentioned that I was doing a video production training course, and that I'd like to become a video editor someday. Anyway, one day, the boss was standing in the edit suite. He'd just fired the previous editor, because that's what happened in those days. <laughs> and I walked in and I said, oh, hi, Barry. Um, do you remember in my interview when I said I'm studying video production and I want to be a video editor? He goes, no. <laughs> I said, oh, well, I am. And if you know, I had enough money, I'd have all this gear at home. I'd be, I'd be practicing so I could become a good video editor. And that's where the conversation stopped. But the next day, he made me a video editor and doubled my pay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, if I'd not said anything, if I... I'd have, if i just assumed that he'd remembered, they would have gone and hired someone else.
0: Mm. And then when you were asking that, was your intention to actually get that role or was your intention just to get some opportunity to practice on the equipment?
1: My original intention was probably to get the opportunity to practice on the equipment and to remind the boss but that's what I was doing. I didn't expect that I'd be appointed as video editor the next day.
0: (laughs) Which just goes to show that sometimes when you step out, things can go beyond where you expected them in your wildest dreams.
1: That is right. Yeah, it was awesome.
0: (laughs) Well, Kim, it sounds like the workscape of Kim Unlimited is rocking along and awesome. Thank you so much for telling us a little bit about
1: your story and how it's going. Thanks very much for the invitation, Helen. Much appreciated.
0: Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com and follow us on Twitter at Beself Unlimited.